Hello, my name is Richard Metcalf, founder of X Quadrant. I coach some of the world's top executives and management teams, helping them achieve bigger and more meaningful results than ever before. In this season, I'm speaking with C-suite leaders from around the globe to find out what the COVID-19 pandemic has taught them and what wisdom they have to share for other leaders. Welcome to Leadership Lessons for Challenging Times. In this episode, I speak with Simon Hill. Simon is the CEO of Wazoku, uh, which is an innovation platform uh, focusing on really releasing ideas and innovation across um, medium-sized and large companies. Uh, he's grown the business from from nothing to uh, already a, a great place in the in the global marketplace. He's just acquired a U.S. Um, company right in the middle of the COVID um, pandemic. So making bold business moves, even with limited visibility in the market. So in this conversation, which I hope you'll find really enjoyable, we talk about innovation and how that shifts, how that might change, the decisions that business owners need to take about risk on and risk off behavior, and uh, understanding uh, what the growth path as a leader needs to be and also being very honest right about how do you navigate when you're not quite sure we also touch on scaling yourself how do we actually take um take our own magic as a leader and replicate it into our organization to free ourselves up for the next level tasks these are all uh, super interesting and fascinating discussions and I hope you enjoy this conversation as we dig in to get the inside story of leading in challenging times with Simon Hill. Hello Simon. Good morning. Hey great to have you um, here with me today thanks for joining. My pleasure good to see you. So um, for the benefit of everybody else um, who doesn't know the legend that is Simon Hill, can you perhaps um, just tell us a little bit about you, just the, like the two-minute elevator pitch, and also what's uh, Wazuko? Yeah, I'm still working on a legendary status, but thanks, Richard. Um, <laughs> so um, I'm Simon Hill. I'm the uh, founder and CEO of um, Wazoku. We are an open innovation and idea management software and services business working with uh, organizations from SMEs through to large multinational organizations and government institutions around the world, helping them through software and through stakeholder engagement to solve today's problems and create tomorrow's opportunities by you know, the, the kind of process of uh, challenge-driven innovation, ideation, brainstorming, crowdsourcing at scale, and, and then kind of delivering projects off the back of those that have really strong value for the organizations that we work with. At its heart, we help big businesses to solve problems more effectively than they do today. Got it. So what, so what I'm hearing is it's really helping yeah, large companies find the innovation and the ideas within their, within their ecosystem. Yeah, I mean, look, we, we believe passionately that um, people are inherently creative and inherently problem solvers. You know, we do it all the time in our private lives outside of work. In work, we've tended to stymie people into specific job roles and functions and sort of you know my goal is to try and unleash that creativity give a voice to everybody in the process of um of, of bringing solutions make work a bit more interesting for people that work there make it a bit more accessible and engaging for the customers that buy from it and 
and help businesses to solve problems more effectively, right? There's no shortage of challenges as we've seen for the last you know, six months or so. Yeah, well, I was about to say, you know, perhaps you're out of business now because clearly in 2020, there are no more problems to be solved, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so I, I, clearly, I mean, I guess business, I've seen it in my, in my own clients, right? There's a whole stack of issues that people weren't even thinking they were going to have to face six months ago. Um, what are you seeing in terms of perhaps customer demand? You know, has that, has that been shifting um, through the whole COVID um, pandemic? You know, how, or are people still addressing the same kind of main business challenges? Has that really changed the way people think about innovation? I mean, I think, I think that the, in these types of moments, right, and I've professionally now lived through um, two or maybe three of these, you know, significant macro uh, challenges and, and I think you see uh, organizations shift in, in in a couple of directions right either either it's risk on or risk off yeah. um, and you know there's a there's an abundance of, of new businesses that typically spawn out of circumstances like this and you know and, and others have to bunker down and, and start and start thinking a little bit more short term and so the pulse for me is that in terms of what we deliver, we've never been busier, right? I think that there's a utility in an asynchronous tool, right? One that doesn't need us to be on video conferences or, or kind of live with an audience, because as we've all learned for the past three months, that's really valuable, but also exhausting, mm -hmm. um, constantly being on, on, on live, live streamed uh, web conferences and stuff. And so the ability to, to engage with your teams uh, in an asynchronous fashion or with your suppliers or with your customers in a, in, a, in a world that doesn't need us to just be there immediately at that point in time, but to co-create and collaborate in a, in a slightly different fashion has actually become extremely valuable and powerful for people as we, as we grow. Right. And so yeah. that, yeah. that combined proposition I've seen, we've never been busier. We've never, you know, we had a, we had a brilliant quarter, but, you know, sitting at the start of that quarter with a board saying, you know, which direction do we go? And, mm. you know, what's the Magic 8-Ball telling us? And I checked on Amazon, they were all out of Magic 8-Balls. And so, you know, I think that we were facing the same dilemmas that most CEOs and boards were facing is do we go risk on or risk off? And we, we, we kind of kept our foot, maybe it was like this on the, on the gas pedal and we lifted it slightly. Right. But, 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 it was, but in reality, we were still very much risk on from our business perspective. I think there's a very broad spectrum of that out there in the world at the moment. Yeah. Um, some companies have been hunkering down and some companies exactly. have really been saying, Let, let's kind of go big. Yeah. And, and, and what I loved what you were saying there was this point about nobody wants to be stuck on Zoom calls uh, or team calls, you know, for the whole, you know, for the whole day. And actually what I'm seeing even with my own clients, you're working on leadership retreats or, or um, uh, strategy days um, is that, a lot of businesses actually have settled into a way of working where the default process is have a rambling conversation about something. Yeah. Um, and that, that didn't really ever work before, but you could perhaps put up with having a rambling conversation for a day or for a morning or whatever in a room with your team. Um, but when you're on, when you're on a, a web conference, it's incredibly tiring and not that productive. And so I see that actually this kind of virtual work actually increases the need for processes and for as you say it's some asynchronous work going through certain um going through a, a system a, a process to bring the creativity and innovation because it doesn't necessarily happen on one of these calls right on one of these calls you can do um status reviews and updates and fairly transactional things it can be harder i think to bring the innovation that i guess is the focus of what you do 
Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, I've, I, I think there was this real spike where it was a very different way of working and it was, and it worked for people, right? You know, I, in some senses as a leader, I have the inverse problem of I'm trying to encourage people to take time off at the moment and not work quite so hard because the division between work and life has been, has, has become broken a little bit. Um, but on the other hand, we opened our office up a couple of weeks ago for optional optionality, right? So people that didn't have the choice to go in. And I've been in um, uh, for about half a day over that period. And you do notice the dynamic of, of being in the office just spawns very different ways of working. Um, and you don't get that serendipity moment where, or where you just need to get a question. You don't want to haul someone into an already busy conference call so it doesn't happen and then you take it offline. And it, you know, it just doesn't work as effectively in that, in that very human way. Um, I think we can provide some of that through the way that we work. Um, the other thing is that as businesses have shifted, right? So if you've gone from risk on to risk off or slightly less or more of the other, the ability to go back to the archive of the ideas that you said, look, these are not the ones we want to do now because we're in this mode, mm. but we don't want to forget them has also been really valuable. And I was, you know, I was talking to one of our clients from the NHS recently, and that's what she said. We've gone back to the archive to see, you know, what do we have that are the quick win ideas now to help us to, to tackle the immediate challenges that we're facing in this case as a, as a health service, um, rather than potentially some of the kind of longer term projects that would have had impacts much further down mm. the road. And so that, that ability to, you know, as you change your, your cadence or your strategic priorities, kind of go back to the things that you've done, you know, isn't that easy if you don't have a, have a tool like ours, because where do your ideas live otherwise, right? How do you go, how do you go remember where they all work? So, yeah, yeah. so a lot of, a lot of interesting shifts in, uh, in the business environment. And, um, and I think they'll continue to, they'll continue to happen, right? I think you know, there's a lot more, there's a lot more complexity to come. I actually think 2021 might be even more complicated than 2020 as a, as a kind of spill out of, um, of, of this period of time, but we'll see. So what's been the most difficult decision that you've had to make in this period as a CEO? I mean, I think that, so we've been going through quite an interesting period as a business. You know, we were, as we, as we came into it, we just started the process of acquiring a business in the U S right. That, that just happened um, uh, a few days ago. And, you know, pursuing that in this environment was still, was particularly risky, right? You know, it's not often that a UK business goes and buys a US company anyway. It's even, it's even less appealing when the, when you're, when the pounds all over the show and getting worth less on the global stage anyway. So, you know, making the decision to push on from my perspective with a risk on strategy there for something that we believe in the long term was, um, was a, was a big challenge. It's not that we ever did, we ever really thought not about doing it, but it certainly is a, it's a big risk on move for us as an organization. Um, and, you know, you don't really know how things are going to play out for the next six, nine or 12 months. I think that plus the, um, you know, as a software company, going 100% virtual was, was easy. But the human, the human capital side of that shift is, is less easy. You know, we have um, a team of, uh, of very varied experience, lots of people who, you know, we live in a city where real estate is extraordinarily expensive. Most people live in tiny little shoeboxes. They don't have the luxury of a home office and, you know, plenty of space to be able to get stuff done. And I think that that side of things and the isolation and people choose to live in an expensive city because it's got social and it's got entertainment and other things. You take that away and suddenly you've got a very expensive shoebox and no other real perks. I think that 
the human yeah. side and the mental side of that after the initial kind of, oh, this is different and interesting took, went away mm. has been quite, has been quite challenging. Right. And for a, for a business that we work hard on our culture, but it was always kind of part of who we were. And so suddenly you have to step back and think about, well, what does that mean when you're, you're not all together and it's not done through a mix of work hard, play hard, it's, mm. you know, work hard um, and try and figure <laughs> it out is, uh, is 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 difficult you know i think that's that's probably not unique to us but it's certainly been something that we've we've had to adjust our ways of working and our ways of thinking about that to try and try and make it work better but it's it's very difficult yes yeah that, i think that's great it's a great point that the um a lot of companies have you know even said to me well yeah we know actually how to we know how to work remotely in many ways but it's not that's not the only thing that's been going on it's been the fact that you're stuck at home uh, without any social life, perhaps with family crawling all over the, you know, <laughs> over the room, uh, trying to share a space with people who perhaps weren't there before. So yeah, there's a whole number of things where um, you say it changes the the whole equation in people's minds. Exactly. Well, so how's um, um, you said you've been through this, you know, kind of challenging times, you know, a couple of times in in the economy. Do you have some kind of like mental playbook about like, um how do you try to you know how do you think about this you know clearly um customers are going to go through their own rocky times um there's a lot of the visibility is drastically reduced um yeah what kind of moves do you make in terms of how do you lead the business differently in those times I mean, you've definitely talked about hitting the accelerator and saying well let's actually double down but is was there some kind of guidelines guiding principles that you you've figured out over the years to <laughs> I wish so. Yeah, and the book's coming soon. Now, I think um, I think there's a uh, I mean, there's a real gut feel about this, right? I think that you have to place as a as a leader on on the business that you exist in. You know, I was talking to someone. I was talking to an investor friend of mine as this thing kicked off, and you know, he was in the midst of trying to help a uh, an early stage company whose niche was. Uh, over 65s with underlying health conditions. It was, it was tourism for under, over 65s with underlying health conditions. I mean, that was the, you know, that was not the time to be going out to try and do this, right? So, uh, you know, luckily I'm not, um, which is a great idea, but the timing's horrendous, right? So um, the, you know, you've got to take a judgment call on what kind of business that you have and also on, on, on how, how to make sure you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater as you go forward with these things. And, you know, and I've, we've, we've certainly, we've certainly been through the round of these things, but I wouldn't say I've been in the middle of a, of, of something like this where we weren't very early stage. You know, the business is a very different beast. Now I have a baby and I have the bathwater quite literally in my life, but the metaphor works here as well <laughs> to, um, to, 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 that means the risk quota is very, very different. Right. And so mm. if we get this wrong, there's a lot more that goes wrong in this particular yeah. time. And it's, you know, we don't necessarily have a big Titanic that needs to get turned, but there's certainly a lot, lot more in the business that's harder to turn on or off quickly than there was when you were very, very small. And so right. that, that piece of the puzzle is a lot more complicated. You know, we're used to being very agile and able to, to, to turn corners quite quickly. You know, suddenly you get to 60 plus people and longer term commitments in different ways and, and, and that, that battleship's just a little bit bigger and a little bit a little bit less agile than it was before. Mm. So no, I don't I don't have that experience at this scale in this specific thing. And I'm not sure that anybody should think that they do, right? But I think that 
what we had to do very quickly was step back from this. We did adjust some of our numbers, right? We assumed that that churn would be would be higher this year than it's been. And I think that, you know, I wanted to to get out and speak to the market and see what people were expecting. And the market's expecting that, right? People are not deluded. And so you know, we can make forecasts that allow for a bit more of that. And unfortunately, we do have customers that have that have not that will, will not come through this um, this, mm. this 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 chapter most likely. Um, and so you know, you've got to take a realistic perspective that that the world is not the same world that you went into. And forecasting, you know, hundred plus percent growth and basically no attrition yeah. is just not is just not realistic. You know, we. We continue to grow strongly and, and, you know, do this acquisition, but we slowed down some of our other kind of headcount mm. growth and other things, which, so we weren't, we weren't 110% risk on anymore. We were probably more like 50 or 60% in mm. our own context of what we, well, of what we, of what we do. But, um, that, but, but a, mostly for me, sorry, mostly for yeah. me, it's about, do I keep investing in the longer term strategy? Or do I double down on what we're doing today? Right. And that has been, mm. I spent three months thinking about that and seeing yeah. what would happen. Um, to come out the end of it with, I think we continue to invest in the longer term growth for us because it's been a good quarter. But equally, I could have gone the other way, right? And I think making those quick decisions was was most important. Yeah. No, that's um, yeah. I mean, that that's key. You say where is how how far ahead can I afford to think based on how how well is my current engine doing, right? My current economic engine doing, and um, um. I think the the other question you mentioned is, is the risk profile, and um, there's this you know, there's this question about how um, how optimized are we as a business? Actually, it turns out that you don't want to be too optimized as a business because things can break easier, right? When you're super optimized, so actually, in a way, having a bit of redundancy in the business, um, whilst it can feel inefficient in one level, actually, in a situation of uncertainty. Um, can actually help right it's like you know exactly. you know in, on a domestic sense you know the the minimalist you know who's got like nothing in their home will is great when life is working but when there's like no food in the shops they have a problem <laughs> where the guy that's kind of like got a basement full of um pasta or whatever it is you know totally inefficient in one sense can weather storms um differently so it's kind of interesting when this kind of uncertainty throws up um it is it, 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 it is. And I think, you know, anyone that, that knows you know, a high growth business that's come from this little idea to 60 odd people is very unlikely to have, you know, all, all of those things in place. I definitely don't have a basement full of food in any form of that metaphor, right? Like you're kind of, you're yeah. basically, you're basically firefighting in the near term anyway. And, you know, even back to that long term planning, you know, I think we've probably got a good idea of what six months looks like, probably 12 but in any real corporate setting, right, we're, we're all working in a much narrower time frame in a much more agile way. You know, what I spent the last six months doing, which predates COVID, bore no resemblance to what I planned it to look like the six months before because an acquisition opportunity came along that, that, that seismically changed the business mm. overnight, right? And you, you're, you're kind of that agile um, as an organization anyway when you're small. But... Um, but I do think that kind of wartime, peacetime CEO kind of discussion comes out a little bit, a little bit more then. And you kind of think about, well, what, 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 kind of, what kind of business are we and what kind of leader am I in, in this type of time? And what does my board behave like, right, as well? Because the board was very, 
you know, very much kind of looking at us to, to make those decisions and weren't really sure like which 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 way to carve. And I think that depending on your board, that could be very, a very difficult conversation. We were quite lucky. Well, and that that question of leadership growth is is super interesting. How how has it forced you to grow as a leader? I mean, what's what do you think that's that's you know, what's your story been over the last six months? I mean, I think we're just winging it, right? Like, I, um, I'd love to say it was more, but I do think that you, you know, you, you, your, your days get even fuller and your, your mind's busy with, you know, with ideas and, and, and strategic plans and, you know, trying to figure out whether you unpick what you've been working towards or not, plus dealing with the human side of everything that's going on. So mm. I think my, my, my head is full of, of a lot of information. What I've been, what I've been trying to do as a person is to kind of, you know, scale myself a little bit more and, and work mm. more more on the business rather than in the business which has been tricky because we we're missing a few kind of kind of key headcount positions in the business and so you know I'm, I'm i'm dual as always you wear a lot of hats as a ceo of a growth business i'm probably wearing too many at the moment um but working mm. out how to get some of that off your own plate to give yourself half a chance of having some time to think is a uh, mm is mission one. I'd say that I, you know, I've not done a great job of that for the last six months. It's been so busy that it's been mostly reactive leadership and mm. trying to, you know, trying to find the time rather than the positive. I'm not sure that's a massive negative either. Right. Like obviously I'd love to step back from it and say it could be different, but it's exactly mm. what the business needed for yeah. me to do at that point in time. And it didn't, it didn't need yeah. anything else. Um, yeah. And when crisis hits, right. Often you need to kind of jump in and do that. I think, um, but that question about scaling yourself and being the bottleneck, I just see that all the time. It's, I call it the leader's dilemma because leaders get to where they are based on their ability to be amazing problem solvers, right. Normally. And, and they, they can pretty much, you can pretty much solve anything that's put on your plate. Um, but the issue is that, um, that naturally means that problems come to you and you become yeah. the, the kind of chief problem solver. And so I, for me, the leader's dilemma is, do I solve the problem now and go fast? Or do I build the team and build momentum, right, in that moment? So, you know, is this the part for me, you know, so the temptations always say, let me just get it done. It'll be faster. We solve the problem. It'll be a good answer and we can move forward. But that does tend to kind of... Uh, keep us prisoner right to that that kind i think of it i think it, i think it's um i think it's a really good observation and it's certainly one that i deal with right you know we've the business has grown with you and around you and so you haven't necessarily documented all of the things that you know and do right so it's really hard to hand that thing over to somebody else in any yeah. in any kind of structured way because it's sort of it lives around you and it lives inside you the mm. um the other bit is I think that you, you know, you get to this size as a business where what 60, 60 ish people and um, the type of person that you need to hire is, is slightly different. You know, I was reading, I was reading a comment from someone recently that said, you know, when you're below a hundred people, you, you kind of hire well-rounded generalists who, who get the job done above a hundred. You hire someone who wants to hire eight people around them to do the job that the person right. before would have done. And you've just got to accept that fact, right? And I think that we are, you, I, that, that happens as you approach sort of 70 to 100 mm. somewhere, I think, in reality, right? And you don't, you can't afford all those extra people. So you're still looking for generalists, but finding people that have got the experience to lead a business and a team that size, when you're looking for designers and developers and managers of those teams, is mm. a lot harder, right? Like you, you're, not, you're not finding kind of grafting 
entrepreneurial, experienced leaders who are happy to get in and do all the dirty work, yeah. do all the hours. And that's not that people are lazy, it's just it's a different type of career. I think they still exist, but they're much fewer and further between. And so you end up stepping back in to kind of keep that thing moving because you don't have a choice, right? And that's, it's a real, it's a challenging yeah. point. Yeah, I think that, that's right. And I think as a, as, a, as a kind of high energy founder, you know, you often come with that ability to like roll up my sleeves, get stuff done. Actually, the role starts to shift because you need to become the person that's actually mobilizing um, a management structure. And actually just say, how do I multiply what's inside me into them and into the broader culture so that other people start to think in the way that I think this company needs to be thinking about things and how do I bring the best out of them? And it's a very different skill set, right? And I like to say that most people are doing last year's job and that includes founders and owners and CEOs and everything else, right? It's like the thing that we were doing last year that was really working for us last year, we, we think, well, that's, that's the formula, right? I've got the success formula. And I'm always talking about, well, you know, we need to kind of upgrade that formula um, for the, new, the challenges that are coming. And that's often, that's often where we're lagging, right? We, we're kind of thinking, um, yeah, we, we, we're always one step in the past often in terms, not in terms of what we're working on, but yeah. the way that we're working on it. Exactly. And I think not leaving your business behind in some of that can, can be quite tricky as well. You know, when you're mm. living one foot in the present and one foot in the future as a, as that mm. kind of CEO, it, yes. you know, the balance between what you tell your teams now and what you don't, because you know, there's, there's kind of, there's variability in where the, where the kind of future things might go and they've got a busy day job already. Like do you need to layer them with the extra, with the extra stuff is a, is a real balance as well. Yes. You know, yeah. No one wants to live inside my head for too long. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's the difference between like driving performance and releasing commitment. There's kind of like a shift there, you know, and the, the driving one kind of gets exhausting at some point because, you know, the energy, the motivation, the commitment and all the ideas are within you. And then it's, it's a shift, but you're right. You're right. When you're in, when you're kind of trying to navigate a ship through very immediate icebergs or whatever it is, whatever the metaphor <laughs> is. Yeah. Sometimes you just need to grab the wheel, right. For, for a bit of time, but then it's how do you come out of that? Exactly. I think the most important thing for me is though, it's still, you know, it's, it's a high energy thing. It's, it's challenging and it's interesting, rather the, uh, the intellectual challenge of a business at this size, I think works for some founders and doesn't work for others. Right. For me, it's mm. never been, it's never been more interesting in some ways, right? Like it's a different type of interest, but it's never yeah. been more interesting. And so that, 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 personal growth that keeps coming with the with the kind of the business growth that sits around it mm. with you know that constant niggle of fear and questioning and doubt in the back of your mind is is probably mostly healthy right and keeps you going that's yeah the, that's the main thing. yeah absolutely there's there's no growth in the comfort zone right you know you want to be thinking and addressing and 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 driving so well maybe then, maybe there is i'm my own worst enemy probably i just keep adding more in but yeah let's see <laughs> Well, yes, that's, um, I have a friend of mine who has a, has a snail on his desk to remind him to slow down, to speed up, right? That actually the breakthroughs come when we actually take, I like to say one of my phrases is, you know, you can't change gear when you've got your foot jammed on the accelerator. Exactly. And that's it's, hard. That's hard because I love jamming my foot on the accelerator. It's exciting, right? But then at some point, there's nothing else there. <laughs> I think if you're used to real high pace, it's kind of, you know, a kind of parting thought is, um, you can think you're going slower, but in reality, you're still going at a thousand miles an hour. Right? I kind of use the analogy of 
when I was learning to play golf, right? You know, I kind of remember the instructor telling me to slow down my swing. And I'm like, I can't go any slower. And you watch it back on video and you're like, Jesus, I was swinging that thing like it was a, a baseball bat, right? And so like yeah. in your mind, you think you're going slow, but in reality, you're still whipping that club around and so everything's mm. going everywhere all over the time. All yeah. over the time. And that, that ability to sort of step back and to actually find, yeah, find a bit more slow, especially in this scenario, right? Like there is no, there is no slow right now. It's just mm. 150 miles an hour nonstop. Yes. Yes. Great. Well, hey, just a quick few quick fire questions as, as we wrap up. Um, what's your favorite? Do you have a favorite book or a book that really inspired you? Um, so I, good question. And uh, put me on the spot with one of those. I mean, I, I read a lot of, um, I read a lot of business books, but I'm a sports person. And so, you know, for me, I, I find a lot of interest in the, um, the, the psychology of, of leading sports teams. I'm a Manchester United fan, so I'd probably say something like the, the Sir Alex Ferguson book on leadership, for me, is really interesting, right? As we rebuild a team for the second or third time as part of growth, you know, I've, I've sort of revisited that book and thought, well, mm. how did someone like that in the sports environment do that and keep those high-performing teams going over and over again? So I've got loads, but that's a, yeah. it's a personal fave because it crosses the life between business and pleasure as well yeah which is which is which is great what about what about a productivity tip you know you were talking about running at 150 miles an hour so what's one thing that you do that you think is a a secret of success right in terms of getting things done so i'm like an inherently unstructured person i think accepting that is one of the one of the most important things actually during um during covid i decided to get myself a remote a virtual pa I think it might be the best decision I've ever made. So like someone behind the scenes that takes up, sweeps up all the unstructure and turns it into structure and helps me to, to really balance my time and just gets the things done that I was never, you know, I used to do them at 10 o'clock at night or, mm. or, or weekends. Um, and it's not that I still don't end up working at those hours, but I'm spending it doing different things now. So I'd say that that was one, right? There's, a, there's some really good structures out there that I mean, you don't need you know you don't need to go and find that person i don't think it's a full-time role but having someone behind me to help keep me a bit sane and managed has been uh, has been really good and obviously you know having a great solution for where to where to kind of manage your ideas is always uh, is always right up there as well yeah absolutely absolutely <laughs> <laughs> and what about what about an inspiring leader or heroic figure you know that that kind of excites you or inspires you in some dimension um so i well, look, the business that I admire a lot, right? And I'm, I'm not, um, I'm not big up on idols or anything like that. But I, I, I'm, I really like the, um, the, the business that that um, Benioff built at Salesforce. Right? I'm not saying that. I don't know the guy. I don't know anything. But I like the, the, the way that they took that thing and that they built a sector. You know, it kind of existed before, but they really redefined it, and they. They've really defined the way that business is, is done in a very different way than many other people do. And I would say that in the way that we're trying to grow our business is, is very much along the lines of how, how Salesforce built itself from, from, and built its market around it from the, from the ground up. So, yeah, probably, probably that would be one good example. Yeah, no, great. Nice one. And what about, uh, last one, uh, a favorite quote or motto? Do you have a kind of a phrase that you bandy around in the company? Um, so I... Um, there's a quote that sits on the foot of one of my clients' emails that I like quite a lot, which is that um, uh, minds are like parachutes, and you know they, they only work best when they're open. And uh, and so 
the uh, I quite like that one. I think there's there's a few there's a few that you know we kind of live around inspirational quotes because we're in the innovation world and a lot of them are a bit cliche. But I quite like that when it pops up on my on my email. There's you know again I'm I'm not mega up on these things really, but I quite like that one that sort of yeah. pops up when it pops up when I see the clients clients email come through. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I, I think the other one I like around just on that one about open minds is somebody said, you know, um, there's no point having an open mind unless you close it again on something, which I thought was quite an interesting um, um, twist on it, right? Because there is that phase, right? In, in the innovation cycle, there's a phase of like being open, right? And like gathering all the possibilities. And exactly. there is that kind of focusing and implementation and okay, this is where we're going and let's move forward on it. So I could well, the, the, the other side of that, there's a quote that sits somewhat in a lot of our sales decks, partly of the way that we work, right? You know, we try and get businesses to do exactly that, focus on the problems that you're trying to solve and then, and then ideate and innovate around those rather than just doing it blanket, which is how people mm. want to do. And so the kind of Albert Einstein quote, which is if you gave me an hour to solve a problem, I'd spend, nine, I'd spend 55 minutes working on the problem and five minutes solving it, or however it goes, right? Yeah, Basically, yeah. the sentiment being exactly that, right? Let's spend as much time as we can thinking about that problem, you know, and then the answers are quite easy, actually. Once exactly, yeah. Defining the problem is often the, the hardest thing, right? And, and, exactly. and once we define it, then actually the answers, as you said, probably come quite naturally once you've actually figured out what the actual issue is well hey this is really it's been really um great conversation i've really enjoyed it where can people find out more about you or about um wazuku i never say it right it's terrible wazoku it doesn't matter wazuku wazoku you know what you search something that sounds like you'll find us okay so um so yeah, I mean, you can find me in all the usual places and I'm never, never short of a soapbox moment on LinkedIn. So feel yeah. free to connect with me on there. Um, and obviously the corporate website was oku.com is, um, is a place that people can dig into business. We just acquired is a company called innocentive.com people interested in innovation challenges should go there and you can sign up and you know, there's opportunities to, to get paid for your great ideas through that domain as well. You know, we've awarded up to a million dollars to people for brilliant ideas through that, that particular platform. So go check it out. And thanks Richard for, for a good conversation. No, thanks Simon. Well, hey, I love, you know, I think what you're doing is fantastic and, you know, cause innovation, right. It's, it's uh, especially for companies in, you know, in Europe and US, you know, I mean, not going to always have the lowest cost base possible based on pure, um, you know, hours or whatever it is, right. That we're contributing, but innovation is where value is created. So anyone who's helping structure the world's ideas and, 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 and bubble up the, um, the things that are going to make the impact for the next, uh, next month or years ahead is, is always um, exciting and motivating. So thank you for opening the door a bit on that today. My pleasure. And okay. I'll see you again soon. Thanks. Thanks Simon. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Now let's turn to you. If you're a top performer who's already accomplished great things and yet knows that there's a whole new level of impact and potential open to you, then why don't we get on the phone and strategize on how to get you there? Head over to xquadrant.com forward slash speak to find out more. Until next time, be bold and be purposeful.